It's time now for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you to this edition of The Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan. It's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week as we look into God's Word to allow the Spirit of God to teach us out of the pages of the book that He's written for us. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. And it's our joy to be able to uh, come and, and fellowship with you each week right here at this time on this radio station. I hope you're joining us each week. I understand that a weekly radio program, it's easy to miss it, and it's easy to, to maybe not have it slotted into your, your, your time schedule. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll make a, a, a habit. You know, I, I just uh, recently got a, uh, a new cell phone. Uh, you know, when you're when you're an adult and all the electronic gizmos come along, it's your grandchildren that know more how to operate them. And uh, the one I I got this new cell phone and it's got all these bells and whistles on it. And I mean, all I want is just somebody to you know be so where my wife can call me or I can call her. That's basically the only thing I wanted it for. But this thing's got cameras and internet connections and all that stuff on it. And my grandson's looking at it and he was all thrilled with it. Wow, Grandpa will do this or that. And so he began to take my calendar, and you can put your calendar on it, and it's got an alarm. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden the, my, my cell phone's vibrating in my pocket and ringing. I look at it, and it's, t- it's reminding me, you've got this appointment at this time on today. <laughs> and so I've got this electronic alarm in my pocket now that's telling me, uh, you know, what my, what my daily schedule is all about. Well, maybe on your cell phone you ought to put this time each week. And just put a little reminder in, in, in your in your uh, day timer that says, right here at this time each week, tune into the riches of grace. We'd love to have you here with us because what we're doing is our goal is to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible for yourself. Now we've been looking the last few weeks at uh, the issue of our Lord's coming for us and the issue of of, of, of faith, hope, and charity. Uh, those three. Uh, measures of, of, of what Paul describes as spiritual maturity, the labor of love, the, the, the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. And the last couple of weeks we've been looking at this thing about the patience of hope, God's ultimate purpose for us and how he's going to bring the believer today into that great accomplishment that he's accomplishing today in, 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 in the exaltation of Jesus Christ by the formation of the church the body of Christ, an instrument, an agency through whom he's going to display the riches, the exceeding riches of his grace toward us and his kindness through, through Jesus Christ. He's going to do it through all the ages to come. You know, hope is a wonderful thing. Our world, especially our world today, looks to the future with great uncertainty, with hope on one hand and with foreboding on the other. You look at the government, you look at politics, you look at education, you look at the economy, you look at social issues, and there's much that can give you great uh, consternation. There's much that can make you anxious. And yet when you look to the Word of God, what the future does is it says the future is bright. Someone used to say the future is bright as the promises of God. And today I want to talk to you about the issue of the exodus of the church, the body of Christ, from planet Earth. That is, What's going to be, what's going to happen for you and me? What, what is this hope that is set before us? And how is it going to be accomplished? A man asked me just the other day, he said, Brother Rick, do you believe that the Lord's coming is, is soon? Do you believe the rapture's going to happen right away? Look at all, looking around at things that happen. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get a sense when I read the, the epistles of Paul 
that the Apostle Paul ever sat around thinking, boy, I hope the rapture comes today. I wonder if the rapture is going to come today. Maybe the rapture will come today. Maybe it will be tomorrow. I, I don't get a sense that he ever sat around doing that. Rather, the Apostle Paul believed, understood where he was in the program of God. You remember what he said? He says, knowing the time. We, we understand some things about where we are in the program of God. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Do you believe the rapture is closer? Absolutely. It's nearer than when we believed. It's closer. We're closer to the end of the dispensation of grace than we've ever been. But Paul says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. So what do we do? Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's what Paul says. It's like the old saying is, you live like the Lord may come in the next ten minutes. You plan like he won't come for the next ten years. And the issue isn't sitting around wondering, is the Lord going to come or isn't he going to come? The issue is rejoicing in the truth. It's knowing the times. It's rejoicing in the understanding of what God is doing and how this age will end, and then living day by day in light of that. Not living with some fanciful escapism idea, but living in the reality that whatever you're doing right now may be what you're doing when the Lord comes. Has that ever struck you? That your current conduct right now, if the Lord were to come this this moment, or say in two minutes, he'll find you doing what you're doing right now. And since you don't know when he's going to come, the fact that he'll find you doing whatever you're doing, you see, that will adjust what you're doing. That will motivate you to walk honestly. That will motivate you to have the right heart attitude treat other people in, in, in a scriptural way, to, to, to just walk in the identity God's given you in Christ. Well, what's going to happen when the Lord comes? What, what, what exactly is, is involved in, 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 in uh, the details of what the future holds for the body of Christ? Well, if you want to do that, want to understand that, you've got to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, because there's one passage above all others, in, in, in Paul's epistles, that give us an insight into exactly what the exodus of the body of Christ from planet Earth is going to be like. First Thessalonians 4, verse number 15. Paul says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now, this is a part of the special revelation that Jesus Christ gave to Paul to give to us. This is These are literally the words of the Lord Jesus Christ penned through the Apostle Paul. You remember in, in Israel's program, for example, Jesus would tell the leper in Mark 1, go and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you. But when you go look in Leviticus, Moses didn't originate that. He wrote it down. He was the mouthpiece. But whose commandments really were they? They were commandment, the commandments of Jehovah God to Israel. Moses was God's spokesman. And when Moses spoke, it was God speaking through Moses. Well, in the dispensation of grace, the Apostle Paul is the spokesman of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in Romans 11:13, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, Paul says, If any man think himself to be spiritual or a prophet, 
Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ has spoken through the Apostle Paul. So these are God's words to us through Paul about the dispensation of grace and about the ending and about the future of, of, of every believer in Christ today and about how he's going to conclude the dispensation of grace and how we're going to be taken to be with him. So here are the details. And by the way, when you have details, it's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> it's a wonderful thing not to walk in the darkness. But to have the, the light, the entrance of thy word giveth light, it gives understanding to the simple. So God gives us some details. For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself, personal attention. He said, This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Two kind of believers when the Lord comes. Some have already died and gone to be with the Lord. Others are still alive when you're here. Both will be in the rapture. Now, never say, I want to be in the rapture. People say, boy, I want to be alive when the Lord comes. Well, you will be alive when the Lord comes. You may be with him alive there, or you may be down here still in your physical body alive, but you're going to be alive. People say, I want to be in the rapture. Well, you are going to be in the rapture. Whether whether you've died and gone to be with the Lord, whether you're still here, we're all going to be in the resurrection. Verse number 16 the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Could anything be any, any, any more wonderful than that? Look at all those details. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He'll give that personal attention to us right down to the end. The head of the body and the body, the, the church, the body of Christ, united for the first time, literally, physically, with its head. He descends from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Now those three things indicate something very special at the very beginning. When the Lord himself descends from heaven into the, into the universe to catch us up to be with him, that's going to mark, it's going to signal, it'll be an event that signals a radical change in the attitude of God toward the universe. Right now, Every epistle the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The attitude of God the Father and his rejected Son who sits at his right hand in heaven today. Jesus Christ is the rightful king of the universe, but he's been rejected. And he's on exile, as it were. And Paul, every epistle Paul writes, the official declaration from the one for whom Paul is speaking is grace and peace. Today God is not imputing the world's trespasses unto it. But one day, that attitude's going to change. In Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, that the he- I, John said, I saw the heaven open, and he, 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 he comes out on a white horse, and he comes to judge and make war. Well, judgment and war is the opposite of grace and peace. When the dispensation of grace concludes, God's attitude toward the universe is going to change. And he's going to, declare a counter-declaration of war against the, uh, uh, the, the the sinful rebellion of creation. And when he says here in verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, that's a signal that that change in program is begun. He descends in, from heaven with a shout. That's the shout of a conquering hero. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ went out into, in, into the cemetery one time and where Lazarus was buried. And the Bible says that he, that he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
preachers through the ages have said, if he hadn't said Lazarus, if he had just said, come forth, all the graves would have opened. So he called the one person out that he wanted. Well, that was the shout of resurrection. But it was the shout of the conquering hero, the one who has conquered death in the grave. It's the resurrection shout. All they that are in the grave shall hear my voice, Jesus said. So here's, here's the, the shout of the conquering hero. Come back to take the, uh, uh, the victory. The voice of the archangel. The archangel, that's Michael. He's, he's the commander in chief of the armies of God in the heavens. The heavenly host, the armies of God, the angelic host. The, the voice of the archangel. By the way, there's only one time in the Bible the archangel is ever said to speak. It's in Jude verse 9. Strange little verse. It talks about when, when Satan was contending over the body of, of, of Moses with Michael, the archangel. There's Moses' body, and Satan and, and, and Michael are, are, are contending over who's going to take possession of it. And Michael looks at Satan, and he doesn't dare say it on his own authority, but he says to him, The Lord rebuke thee. He calls upon the Lord to rebuke Satan. The only time in the Bible the voice of the archangel is ever heard is when he is rebuking Satan over the body of Moses. Well, here's another time where you read about the voice of the archangel. And here he's going to be rebuking Satan over the body of Christ. We're going to be caught up, the verse says, uh, to meet them in the air. Now, the air is an interesting thing. Uh, it's, it's It's the atmosphere around the earth. But it's also the invisible realm. You remember in Colossians 1, when he talks about um, the um, fact that Jesus Christ made all things which are in heaven and earth visible and invisible? There are things in creation that are visible, the things that are in creation that are invisible. And so there are places and times when the air, it's not just the atmosphere that you breathe, but it's a reference to the invisible realm. For example, Ephesians chapter number 2 talks about Satan and calls him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Well, is Satan simply the prince of the atmosphere around the earth? No, he's the the ruler of the invisible realm, the spirit realm. Well, we're going to be caught up together to meet them in the air. He's talking about we're going to be caught up into Satan's domain. We're going to be translated off the earth into the realm, into the domain of the adversary. So the voice of the archangel rebukes him. In other words, what God has done is provided safe passage for you and me, even through the satanic realm. You know, when you begin to study the the underworld, as it's called, you begin to look on the dark side, and you begin to see the, the satanic forces and the unclean spirits and, and the fallen angels, and you begin, begin to consider all of the, the things on, in the satanic realm, the, the, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. When you begin to look at that in the, in the scripture, you, you can get quite frightened by it. Someone told me recently that that they were looking at these things and said, you know, if you if you went out and really told people about this, people would be scared to go out of the house. And I told them, well, I'd be scared to be in the house. <laughs> it, it's 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 there's a tremendous kingdom of darkness out there under the reign of, of Satan, 
And when you and I are caught up at the rapture, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord, and he's going to give us, as it were, an angelic escort of the armies of heaven so that there would be no reason for you to be afraid of this event. And then the trump of God, the trumpet sounding the rally cry, so we'll know where to go. He's got all these things uh, arranged and prepared. And by the way, the archangel, the trump of God, and even that shout indicate the conclusion of the dispensation of grace and the beginning of, uh, the, the adjustment of God's dealings into the prophetic program. Well, before, while all that's taking place, verse number 16 ends and he says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we were to alive and remain. Now, there's not just going to be this adjustment from our current program back to the prophetic program. For you and me, there's going to be an awakening a resurrection. The dead in Christ rise first. Then we were to alive and remain. We will also will be resurrected, as it were. You remember in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery, Paul says. We shall not all sleep. All members of the body of Christ won't die. But we shall all be changed. You see, if, if the Lord came this moment, those of us that are alive would not go through death. But we would receive a glorified body. You don't have to worry about missing out on receiving your glorified body. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, First Corinthians 15 says, At the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall, shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, that's dead people whose bodies are corrupting, must put on incorruption. And this mortal, that's living people whose bodies are subject to death but haven't died yet, shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Well, he says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ, through, the, through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be an awakening. And that's going to be a moment when you get a, a, a body... Philippians 3 says to be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's when you get your resurrection body. By the way, you don't get it when you die. Folks die and go to heaven to be absent with the body, to be present with the Lord. But you don't get your glorified body then. This whole idea that well, you just all die and go to heaven and live in heaven forever, that isn't, that isn't the plan of God for his universe. That's not what he's planned for us. You get your resurrection body when Christ comes back. And we all get it at the same time, at that same event. The resurrection. The dead in Christ are raised first. By the way, just because someone has died and gone to be with the Lord doesn't mean he's lost anything. It means he gets to be at the head of the line. <laughs> he's raised first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. There is an ascension. We're going to be caught up to get up. Go up. Caught up. By the way, that's where that word rapture comes from. The catching up. And there's going to be a, a reunion. The, the body of Christ is going to be complete for the first time. All the saints of all the ages united perfectly and completely with our head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way in Second Corinthians 5, For we know that if our earthly house or this tabernacle were dissolved, 
We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's where we're, that, that's the, 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 uh, that's the reunion and the, the, uh, resurrection. That's where we're going. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, but we're going to be caught up together with one another first. There's that reunion. All the saints of the ages. You have loved ones who've died, gone on to be with the Lord. Well, you've only parted till he come. There's, there's a, that hope of the completion of the church, the body of Christ. And he's forming, when he does that, he'll have the agency that he's going to use in the, in the heavenly places. So we'll be eternal in the heavens. Now, I'm going to stop right there because I, I look at the clock and I see that I don't have but just a few minutes and I'm going to take the rest of that, our meeting, the meeting that we have with the Lord in the air. That's not a chance meeting. There's something special going to happen the moment we meet him in the air. And uh, then we'll, there's something very special about being with the Lord. What are we going to be doing with the Lord after we meet him? What are we going to be doing with the Lord after the body is completed and we're in the heavens, we're eternal in the heavens? We need to study that in some detail. And then he says, comfort one another with these words. Friend, your comfort today isn't in your bank account. Your comfort today can't be in your in your love romantic relations or in your job or your status. I just talked on the telephone just before I came to, to make this program. A, a dear friend, 79-year-old man, just rushed his wife to the hospital, wife of 60 years, to the hospital with a stroke. And and he's naturally distraught and worried about her. But you know, the outward man perishes, but the inward man's renewed day by day. And I could sit with him and go over those verses. And I, I told him, I said, you go see her in the hospital, the, the, and, and I'll be there later. But you go see her, and you read her Romans 8.18, and you tell her that's what Brother Rick wanted, would, would read you if he was here. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, there's this glory that's going to be revealed in us when the Lord comes and when we meet him and when we're, when we're united and we'll all share in that because we have this wonderfully prepared, glorified body fashioned after his, his, his working where he's able to subdue all things unto himself, totally equipped to do everything God has for us in the ages to come, eternal in the heavens. What a day that's going to be. Now, you don't want to miss next week when we talk about what happens when we meet him and then what happens when we go ever to be with him. But friend, it all comes about in a reality in your life because you've been made one with him by faith in Christ. You see what happens when the Lord comes to take us away and we're glorified, we're caught up together with him, we're glorified together with him. All of that is the fruition, is the culmination of the fact that we died with him, we were crucified with him at Calvary. We were buried together with him. We were quickened, made alive with him. We were raised up and ascended up into the heavens with him. We've been made to sit together in heavenly places with the participants in his authority in the reign, in the government of the heavens because we're in him. All of this is simply yours and mine because we are in Christ Jesus. Now the key there is to be in him. God, God looks down at the world today. He doesn't see Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians, Buddhists, Muslims, and, and Sikhs. He sees People in Adam and people in Christ. Where are you today? If you're in Christ, this is your hope. If you're in Adam, your hope is to get into Christ. 
And the way you get into Christ is simply by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when the world by wisdom knew not, knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the preaching is the preaching of the cross. When you rely exclusively upon what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary, when he died to pay for everything that's wrong with you, and was raised to be the author of eternal life to everyone that would trust him, when you rely exclusively on him that instant, God will give, God will give you his life, put you in his son. And then this hope we're reading about will be yours. And then you can get into the Word of God and find out about all the wonderful things God's given you in His Son, in this gift that includes everything else. Let me give you a free Bible study. It's entitled, What the Future Holds in Store. What the Future Holds in Store. I'd like to give it to you. You can go over these things in the quietness and privacy of your own home, your own schedule, and uh, and see how these things can impact your life. What the Future Holds in Store. You can have the Bible study. I'll give it to you free. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. 888-535-2300. You call that number, and when the folks answer the phone, tell them you want the Bible study on what the future holds in store. 888-535-2300. That's the number to call. We'd also be honored to have you with us today at Shorewood Bible Church. We meet this morning at 930, 1045, 6 p.m. tonight for Bible study. Our church building is located at 1900 Hicks Road in Rolling Meadows. 1900 Hicks Road, Rolling Meadows, with the corner of, of, of Euclid and 53, Highway 53 and Euclid. If you go west on Euclid, the first light is Hicks Road. You turn right and you'll see our building. We'd be honored to have you with us today. 1900 Hicks Road, Rolling Meadows is the place where we meet today. 930, 1045, 6 p.m. tonight. Thanks for being with us today. We'll meet right here again next week. And I look forward to you being here with us as we continue this study. Till then, Maranatha.